So, Matt, a couple of years ago, I reached one of those career moments where I had to make a big decision about whether to speak up and speak out about something. Really? Tell me about it. I served on the board of directors of a publicly traded company, Quicksilver, you know, the surf and skate brand. Oh, I've heard of it. Yeah. And I found out that the other directors were having secret meetings and calls without me. Really? Yes. Behind my back, they were having these secret calls to decide whether or not to fire the CEO. Ouch. Which, as you know, like the number one job of a director is to hire and fire the CEO. So I was supposed to be in on those. But anyway, so after I found out about it and challenged them, they said they did it. They kept me out of the conversations for two reasons. One, they thought I'd be conflicted about the decision. And two, they wanted to, quote, make sure their plan stayed a secret. So... You know, I can tell from even the look on your face, if that's not a slam dunk case of gender bias, <laughs> I, I really I really don't know what they is. They were all right? men. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, I didn't mention that. Yes, yeah, I was the only woman on the board. So here we go. It's like, poor poor little Liz can't handle the hard decisions. Uh, you know, and she can't keep a secret, so we can't even tell her we're thinking about it. I was so mad. Rightfully. So not only did I decide to quit the board, I also decided to go very public with what happened and why I was quitting. And I know this is very unusual. Normally, directors go quietly. And the term for this, as a former lawyer, you might know, is noisy resignation. Wow, and, you had a noisy resignation. I'm excited to hear about this. Yeah. So so many of the people I trust and ask for advice also told me I should go quietly, too. So I can understand. They thought I would damage my chances of getting on another board if I kind of went out with a bang. But that just did not feel right to me. I felt like I wasn't going to be able to stop things like this from happening in the future if I didn't call it out in the moment. So instead, I wrote about it for Fortune magazine, and I gave interviews to the Wall Street Journal and HuffPo and generally made a fuss. I'd call that noisy. Yeah, yeah. It's a, hey, do not pick a fight with me. Yeah, FYI. I will never do that. No. <laughs> so... The bad news is that my friends were right. Really, no other board gigs have come my way. But the good news is that it gave birth to my personal hashtag. You have a personal hashtag? Oh, yeah, you bet. Hashtag stay noisy. Most days, you've got a lot of places to go and a lot to get done before you can even think about falling into bed at night. Wouldn't it be nice if you could stay connected to the world while you were out there getting it all done? What if the experience of driving a luxury vehicle wasn't limited to just inside your car, but extended out into the world around you? Introducing the well-connected 2019 Lincoln MKC with a suite of social tech, including Waze integration so seamless, the map appears right on the screen. Amazon Alexa, with access to all the skills and services you get on your Echo, and a 4G LTE Wi-Fi hotspot that allows up to 10 devices to connect at once with Lincoln Connect. With your 2019 Lincoln MKC, you're transforming traffic jam streets into clear roads. Empowering your voice to instantly change your environment. Set temperature to 72 degrees. All to make life a little easier. And when you're finally done, Waze, take me home. Let's get started. You're getting a seamless experience right to the very end. Alexa, open my garage door. Available via iPhone with Sync 3 with software version 3.0. Commands may vary by phone and AppLink software. Don't drive while distracted. Use voice-operated systems when possible. Don't use handheld devices while driving. iPhone is a trademark of Apple Inc. registered in the U.S. and other countries. The 2019 Lincoln MKC. Learn more 
at lincoln.com slash Wondery. That's lincoln.com slash W-O-N-D-E-R-Y. From Wondery, this is Safe for Work. Job stress, life relief. I'm Liz Dolan. And I'm Matt Ritter. On today's show, we'll be debating the eternal workplace questions like standing desk or sitting desk. In our new segment, Mind the Gap. And then Kim Masters of The Hollywood Reporter will be here to talk about the Time's Up movement and the importance of speaking up and hashtag stay noisy at work. She's been reporting stories about sexual harassment for years, and she's been a big part of keeping Time's Up in the news. We're so excited to have her on the show. We sure are. But first, how about we call a listener and give some advice? Yes, please. Our favorite part of making this show is hearing from you. We want to know what's really on your mind about finding more satisfaction at work. You you can send us an email at safe at wondery.com. We're here to help. Let's make it better, more fun. Okay, Matt, let's go to the phones. This is Eli. Hey, Eli, it's Liz and Matt. How are you doing? I'm good, Liz. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So, okay, we understand you got a couple of things going on here. What's your actual problem? <laughs> so, I work at a startup uh, in Los Angeles in the software space. You know, I love the company. It's a company where I want to advance, where I want to rise up. But I have a boss that that seems kind of keen on keeping me from doing that. Uh, and I'm trying to figure out what the best way for me to move forward is. And what behavior is that? Like, what's he actually doing to you? Yeah, sure. So some examples I can give you is I suggested a project a few months ago, which I thought was pretty solid, which was really well received. And he ultimately took credit for it. Uh, he basically took the lead on execution. That kind of rubbed me the wrong way. So then I decided, hey, maybe I should schedule, you know, some meetings with people above him so I can form my own relationships. Uh, and then he kind of cited company hierarchy as a reason for him to join in on these meetings, in which case I really couldn't just like form the relationships I wanted to. And I'm just not really clear on on how to kind of get around this behavior. Okay, Eli, I have some bad news for you. And then Matt, hopefully, will be able to cheer you up. The examples you just gave me, like boss taking credit for your work or boss not wanting you to have your own meetings with, with higher ups in the company, it's fairly normal company behavior. You know, I know it's not great. I, I know that you'd like to always get credit for your ideas and be able to, you know, network your way up the ladder. But what you're experiencing feels to me not like a particularly nefarious boss, though there might there might be some of that, but just kind of a not great boss behaving in a fairly average way. Is that unfair? I mean, I think that makes sense. Um, you know, and some of it is just personality. Some of it is, you know, I can sense the level of kind of competitiveness yeah. he kind of has. Um but I think you're right. I just, it's just, you know, in, in past kind of companies and jobs, you know, if I, if I came up with an idea or I came up with, there's other examples where I'll come up with like a business development idea, right? And other managers and other verticals are all for it. But as soon as I suggest it to him, he shuts it down. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, maybe this is normal, but it's just But you don't feels... have to like it. No, I get it. I, to I totally get it. Matt, what do you I think? I talk to all my friends about this all the time. I think, uh, you know, millennials, we want we want credit. This is not a new thing. Everybody's, oh, since the beginning of time, you know, the first guy who built a wheel wanted people to know that he did that. But it's not like, you know, I don't think it's a good idea for you to start trademarking your ideas on your PowerPoint slide, you know, <laughs> with a little Eli next to it. <laughs> 
it's a common frustration. I think, you know, you need to find gratification outside of that. And I think maybe doing good work and, you know, just taking pride in that is a lot of where most people in this situation can find that satisfaction. But I yeah. want to talk about the other question. You know, the other thing is you're you're walking dangerously on some landmines here when you're talking about trying to set up meetings around him and above him and getting caught doing it, it sounds like. So I think yeah. we, we have to talk about some remedies for that. Yeah, what's your goal there? You're trying to build a stronger network for yourself, I gather. Absolutely, absolutely. And I just, I you know, I don't necessarily think it's right that he needs to be in every single meeting with every executive at the company that I'm at just because I'm below him. But again, maybe that's just a yeah, hierarchical I, normal thing. You sound like an ambitious guy. I get it. I'm ambitious too, <laughs> you know, but when we're trying to climb the ladder, you just got to be careful. And I would yeah. say your your boss gets to decide what's appropriate. That's why that's why he's called the boss. And you may or may not agree, but I can understand why someone doesn't want an employee having been the boss. Like if I had an employee who was out like roaming around the company setting up secret meetings <laughs> with people <laughs> higher up in the company and I didn't know what was going on, like even if I super trust you, Eli, I might not think that's such a great idea because things are going to come back to me that I'm going to be responsible for or going to want to know about. Sounds so, like a coup. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, and I'm, again, you obviously just want to meet people that can help you advance in your career. We are all for that. But networking needs to be done in just a savvy. Uh, in a savvy way. Exactly. In a way that isn't quite so nakedly ambitious. That's yeah. <laughs> just yeah. to use the phrase. Yeah. You, yeah. you sound nakedly ambitious. And you know what? I would also say, so there are lots of networking things you can do inside a company that may not necessarily take the form of pitching your own ideas over your boss's head to other people. Companies are always working on things where they're looking for volunteers across the company to get on a team to do something or outside events. There are lots of ways to meet higher-ups in your company, if that's your goal, uh, than just sort of scheduling your own secret meetings with them. I would also say, in my experience, being in big and small companies over the course of a long career, sometimes the best networking you're doing is with the people at your own level. It's with people in your industry outside of the company. And when I see people that are just like so intensely focused on kind of meeting the higher ups in their own company, I get a little suspicious of those people. Just trying to be honest with you, Eli. Totally, <laughs> like I just, totally, totally. It's not necessarily I mean, a great quality to broadcast about yourself. Yep. I'll yep, say, and that's why you know that's why I'm doing it on this podcast, and yeah, not yeah. a video. No, and I'll say in your de- I'll say in your defense I'll say in your defense I think uh, you know millennials job hop every two years we're like we want to do this we want to do that we don't just job hop we title hop we're like how quickly can I get to that next title so I can get quickly to the next title and the next title and the next title so I am the president of the company in four years you know and so. <laughs> Look, I mean, if you feel, if you honestly, legitimately are ambitious and you feel like, hey, this guy is in my way, you know, build your skills, kick some ass and start getting some resumes out mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm all for ambition. I Believe me, I don't want to come across as being anti-ambition. You want everyone in your company to know that you are up for anything, that you'll take on a new project, you'll do some new work, you know, and particularly if you you said you're in like a the tech space, these are growth companies where there should be plenty of new work coming as the company grows. So I just, I, I know it's hard to be patient, especially if you feel like your boss uh, is kind of in your way. If you feel like your boss is actively blocking your career, 
that is a bad thing and you should get a different boss. Uh, but sometimes your boss is just doing what your boss's job is, which is managing the communications up and managing the projects that your department is doing. And you kind of yeah. have to learn to live with that. I think that makes sense. I think that makes sense. Okay. Anything else we can do for you, Eli? <laughs> no, I appreciate that. I'll, I'll definitely keep that in mind. And thank you guys. Uh, you know, I'm sure that that people come to you with a lot more kind of insane questions. But no, no, no. This is, this is, yeah. is typical. This is this an is important typical. one. People who are stalking senior management, Eli. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, perfect. I appreciate it, guys. Thank okay, you. Okay, good Thanks. luck. Bye. All right, bye. All right, Liz, it's time for everybody's favorite lightning fast workplace debate segment, Mind the Gap. Liz, let's face it. We may be co-hosts on the show, but I know we have different opinions on a lot of workplace issues. No doubt. No doubt about it. In this segment, we're going to run through a bunch of topics in a lightning round. Then a bell rings and we move on to the next one. You ready? Ready. Topic number one, working remote by yourself versus working in an office. Okay. I've done both. I've enjoyed both. But I do get a little lonely, Matt. I have to admit, I really enjoy being around people, but not all day, every day. So my ideal life, every other day in an office, alternating days at home, working, I like this. working from home. I, I like the split, and I also have been both, but I, I honestly think you're more productive in an office. I joined a co-working space to get that feeling of getting out of the house and just stop dressing in purely my underwear. Okay, that's days. not dressing. No, that's not really <laughs> dressing. But I do think many of us are undisciplined. We're all lazy. And that's why we've created the workplace to get out of that. Yeah, agreed. When I'm at home, I find an amazing list of things to do instead of work. So it's not exactly laziness, but I don't actually need to clean the refrigerator in this moment. I could be do doing something much more useful. I'm with you. Uh, working from home is basically a staycation for me, for me every single time. Okay. Topic number two. Pajama day versus wear your Halloween costume to work day. Well, I, it sounds to me those are both about wearing funny clothes to work, and I am against that for any excuse. No pajama day, no wear your Halloween costume to work day. Honestly, I really don't want to sit down and discuss my budget with a sexy nurse or, you know, have a meeting with some pirates. All right. Listen, I agree they're both colossally stupid, but if you are going to do one, I go with Halloween because... I'm one of those people that puts a lot of thought into my Halloween costume mm -hmm. and then I only get to wear it for like an hour. Oh, poor man. So, yeah, yeah, poor me. I want to be at work. But I will say this. If you're going to do it, just maybe avoid the overly sexy and definitely avoid the borderline racist cultural appropriation kind of costumes these days. It doesn't take a lot in uh, the current climate to get yourself in huge trouble over a Halloween outfit. Excellent idea. I also remember one time my father was like refinancing our house and he came home and he said, I can't believe I just had to sign a new mortgage with Raggedy Ann. Yeah. And let me just say, I've never heard of Pajama Day and that sounds uh, like a completely waste. Just go all the way. Halloween costume yeah. all the way. Pajama Day people, you're not in college anymore. No. Yeah. yeah. That's four years of Pajama Day. <laughs> all right. Topic number three. Cubes versus open office. All right. Well, design-wise, I enjoy the look of the open office. I just think that looks a lot better. But please don't ask me to work in that environment. If I have to actually work there, cube me, bro. I want to be in a cube. I need a little bit of privacy. I hate the open office. I need to be able to take a nap. 
<laughs> I think somebody did some phony study like 20 years ago. And now millions of people are stuck listening to other people's calls. And it's like that open floor plan was created for Wall Street traders. Like, who? what are you selling wheat? You know, why do we need to have an open floor plan? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's nice to be able to look around and see your colleagues and things, but let's admit, it just it can't possibly be as productive as having a little bit of peace and quiet. Also, just give me the slightest dignity to surf the web in private and sneak over my shoulder and catch me. Like, that's what the workplace is for. <laughs> okay, Liz, next topic, big company versus small company. Again, it makes it sound like I've had a really checkered career, but I've worked in both environments. Here's what's great about a big company. They tend to have big resources. They just have more people to do stuff for you. You don't have to do everything all by yourself. I like that. However, they can be a little bureaucratic. So in your small company, you get to run and gun. You get to make your own decisions. I've really enjoyed running my own small company and being in a small company. I'm a small company guy. I marched to my own drummer slash I'm not a good rule follower. I feel like small companies, you have the freedom to be yourself. And big companies, I, I, I don't see them as bureaucracies. I see them as these weird cults. But I would like to have a bunch of bananas that I could steal every day from a cafeteria. That would be nice. You know, for a while when I worked at Disney, what I loved is we would have cookies in the break room that had our logo on the mat. You're not going to get that at your small company. No, you're not going to get that, and you're not probably not going to get a 401k match. But no. other than that, I like the small company. Next topic, over under on asking for a raise one year into a job. I think one year into a job is the perfect time to go in and ask. You've had a chance to prove yourself. Chances are when they hired you, they promised that they would relook at your salary because you thought it was too low then. So yeah, go in, march right in that door. If you don't ask, you don't get. One year is good. I actually think you should do it before one year because if you're going in at one year, you're probably going in at your review asking for the raise when they've already decided the budget for next year and they're like, oh, we'll get you next time, buddy. Oh, okay. Yeah, All so right. I, I feel like a lot of people walk into that trap. I also say, hey, uh, if you kicked ass for, for, for nine months and uh, yeah, we got inflation, interest rates are going up, the markets are about to tank, you got to get in on this bull run and get paid before the, the, the party's over. Okay, that, if I'm your boss, that is not a good sell. Oh, that's a terrible <laughs> sell. That's, that's just between us. That's, uh, but what's okay, your leverage? That's I think, not I your think, pitch. I think the pitch is, you know, if you have leverage, use that if it's been before a year. Otherwise, I think that's a little too early. I if agree. you have another job offer, maybe. If your job description changed, if you're just getting monster reviews that are way above everybody else. You know, I always appreciate people that come in and they ask for more work to do. How about that? Then you'll get a raise out of me. I'm sure I'm not the only one who makes the same three or four things for dinner all the time. At my house, baked chicken breast plus a fistful of bag salad again. So that's why I love Plated. It's new ideas and great fresh ingredients. Such a relief from my normal, boring go-tos. Plated offers 20 chef-designed recipes every week and delivers everything you need to cook right to your door. This week, I made the tomato chickpea stew. It was delish. It's a Turkish recipe with zucchini, brown rice, crispy shallots, along with the tomatoes and chickpeas. And Plated solves another thing I am personally terrible at. I never have the right spices on hand. I make stuff, and when it calls for things like coriander or cumin or something, I just skip it. So which is another reason why everything I make always tastes the same. But not with plated. I got the little spice mix bag that had everything. Cumin, coriander. What else do we have in here? Cinnamon, cayenne pepper. It was all there for me. Thank you, plated. 
plated sources artisanal items and high-quality ingredients, including sustainably raised meats and organic produce when possible. Plus, everything comes in just the right portions, so you have just what you need to cook. No more, no less. Discover your ideal dinner experience. Go to plated.com slash safe to get 25% off your first four weeks for a limited time only. Terms apply. See plated.com slash safe for details. That's plated.com slash safe. Matt, I am so excited. I have a new mattress on the way. Me too. I know. New mattress great. For me, it was forced upon me, though. It was, you know, I told you, my bedroom ceiling collapsed, thereby soaking my entire mattress, which made me very sad until I realized, well, now I have to get a new mattress. Silver lining. Silver silver lining. So I did a lot of the research, and I have a nectar mattress on the way, which I'm super psyched about. Yeah, I'm pumped because I like that they actually have science behind this. You know, I feel like everybody's mattress selection is very random. Yeah. (laughs) These guys have a patented breathable cooling body contouring system. And, you know, they said that they did a study and that nectar sleepers actually fall asleep 20% faster than people who sleep on other mattresses. I will take it because I have terrible back pain and I chronically have a hard time getting to sleep. So 20% faster, I'm all in. I had some reservations originally about the mattress through the mail thing. I have to admit, mm-hmm. I'm a little old school. I used to go sleep on the mattresses yeah, in the, the store. stores. But here's why I feel fine with this. I feel totally confident because the team at Nectar, they believe in love at first night. That's their thing, love at first night. So they give you 365 nights that's to really try it out. So that's much better than going to a mattress store and laying on it for 15 minutes. So if you aren't 100% happy and riding into the sunset, they will pick up the mattress for free and you will get a full refund. I love that. I love that they promise a forever warranty on your mattress, as in till death do us part and then some. I feel like I'm worried this mattress could survive my marriage. <laughs> Okay, well, we do not have time to get into that. That's a whole other conversation. So here's our exclusive offer. Go to Nectarsleep.com slash safe. And if you buy now, you get $125 off and two free premium pillows, Matt, with any mattress order and free delivery. You got to have the free delivery. Got to have it. So that's Nectarsleep.com slash safe. Nectar is N-E-C-T-A-R, sleep, S-L-E-E-P. Nectarsleep.com slash safe to get the best sleep you've ever had for every night of the rest of your life and then some. Nectarsleep.com slash safe. Welcome back to the show. If you have a burning workplace question and you need some advice, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at safe at wondery.com or leave us a voicemail at 424-224-5711. Again, our email is safe at wondery.com and you can send us a voicemail at 424-224-5711. All right, we've got another call in store for today's show. But before we dole out some more advice, it's time for our interview with Kim Masters about Time's Up. She's the editor-at-large of The Hollywood Reporter, as well as being the host of KCRW's radio show, The Business. She's been reporting on sexual harassment in the entertainment industry for years and on the Me Too and Time's Up movements recently. She's here to talk about what provoked such a widespread cultural moment. Kim, thanks for joining us on Safe for Work. Thanks so much for having me. You've really been a leader in chasing down these stories of sexual harassment and assault for many years in Hollywood. And I'm just wondering, from your perspective, 
why are women opening up now? Like these are sources that you talked to five years ago, three years ago, one year ago, and they weren't ready to tell you what was really going on. So what really changed? Well, I think it's a combination of things. And I think you know each of these is an individual case. You know, in the case of Harvey Weinstein, I think uh, a couple, you know, the time became right. He he became less successful. His companies was starting to flounder. I think that he was at odds with people within his company. And I'm kind of convinced, even though we didn't break that story, that the thing that made it possible was that someone internally wrote a document spelling out his behavior. Mm-hmm. And I think that once a reporter gets that in his or her hands, it is much easier to go to sources and say, look, we have this document. We know these allegations are real. This makes it possible for us to get this stuff on the record and write about it. So can you can you come forward? And I think that coinciding with what was going on in Washington with Trump, with the sexual assault allegations against him from multiple women and the fact that absolutely no consequence seemed to be coming his way, people sort of felt like, well, enough of this. Right. I think right. therefore women came forward. Uh, Harvey was vulnerable. There was this political moment. And, and Harvey was just, you know, the match that lit all these other cases that have followed. Right. And once, yeah, and once that match got lit, once the fire got lit, then they had a certain safety in numbers. They were starting to be believed and companies couldn't just blow them off anymore. Yeah, I mean, I'll note that I I was working on this Amazon Studios story about the head of Amazon Studios months and months before the Harvey thing broke. But I was having a lot of difficulty getting it published because of the fear. And and he used the lawyers who ultimately emerged as Harvey's lawyers to threaten us with a lawsuit, to threaten Mm -hmm. me with a lawsuit. And that did not help at all. And there was a lot of fear about going up against these lawyers because one of them had been the lawyer in the Gawker case and had ultimately bankrupted this prominent website, Gawker. And then really once the heart, I did break part of the story before Harvey, but once that Harvey story broke, you know, key source in my story went on the record, we were able to publish and that that uh, head of Amazon Studios was gone within three hours. Yeah, I want to really understand what was in the hearts and minds of your sources before and after. So if you talk to a source before the whole Me Too dam broke, right. what, did, what did they tell you about what their fears were, why they weren't ready to come forward? Well, there were people who every single one of the sources in that particular story did business or worked at Amazon. They all had their livelihoods in one way or another majorly impacted uh, at Amazon. And so their fear is not just that they'll be found out, which, of course, I have to be extremely careful and, you know, counsel them uh, to be. I, I sort of talk my sources carefully through how to how to manage. You know, I mean, I'm more worried in some cases about them than they are worried about this. I'm like, you shouldn't be calling me on this phone. Are you, are you not in the office? Are you? And they're like, no, no, it's fine. Yeah. And I'm sure you still have some sources out there, despite the so-called breaking of the dam that are not ready to put all of that on the line. Absolutely. I mean, I know about a case it's, it's driving me up a wall because we, we really do know about what happened. And, and one of the women has actually spelled it out for me and it's not good but she has asked me, I mean, I didn't, she didn't come to me. I heard about it and went to her and she just wept and begged me not to go to continue, do the story. 
Oh, that's so sad. That is just heartbreaking to hear. And what were what were her main fears? You know, I don't even know that she could articulate mm-hmm. them. I mean, you know, look, this guy, it's it's the difference between where Harvey was in less in power and where this guy is, because yeah. he's still running a major thing. I'm absolutely sure I know his bosses know because I told them. <laughs> and he he immediately lawyered up and threatened to sue me personally. Uh, but, but, you know, honestly, that would not stop us from publishing. What stops us from publishing is that we can't get sources where we need them to be to feel that we can go forward. And that's a tricky call every time. You know, when people start saying things like, oh, what if it's a witch hunt? I feel like, do you have any idea the standards we need to meet before we consider publishing? And there are other places that don't have our high standards. And I wish they, you know, especially in an internet era, we saw that happen, I think, with Aziz Ansari. It's a story we would not have done. Mm-hmm. But uh, in our and for us and for other publications like you know the New York Times or you know it's a high high bar to meet. So now Times Up as an organization has sprung up, you know, and they're sort of formed to respond to some of these issues and very importantly sort of address the issues beyond Hollywood, right? So what's their plan? Well, that's the problem at this point. Uh, and I just finished a story that the plan is not so clear. And there, you know, there's a lot of, there was a big burst of initial enthusiasm. And really what happened was it became a movement overnight and nobody expected that. Like nobody expected that they were just, you know, this was going to be, you strike that match and boom, you know, and around the world. So the, I mean, the good news is people want to be activists and do something. Uh, But the bad news is that there's all of these people with competing agendas and Time's Up, I think, is kind of trying to reverse engineer a structure. Mm -hmm. So what is, as you look out at the organizations and individuals, let's just talk about Hollywood, but then I want to extend it beyond there. Who do you think has shown real leadership? What is really working? Obviously, we're in the midst of a dramatic change, but probably at the very beginning of a culture change that is going to take a very long time. So what's working as you look out there? What makes you optimistic? Well, I'm quite confident in Kathleen Kennedy, who is the head of Lucasfilm and is, has created this commission, chaired, headed by Anita Hill. And they're going to try and come up with some kind of strategy to create recourse for women here in Hollywood, you know, who are on movie sets or whatever. You know, this, it, it's a big problem that it, there's nobody to complain to. We've seen that, it, you know, human resources departments at the Weinstein Company and elsewhere have utterly failed to they they protect oftentimes the perpetrator and not the victim and the victim ends up being you know driven out of the company or whatever and you know what i have i was talking to someone at the commission last week who said this to me which really stuck in my head she said we have more detailed rules about how to treat dogs on the set than we do people yes that's absolutely true You know, one of the things, extending this out beyond Hollywood, one of the things that makes me optimistic is that even just for real people in the real world, there are things you can do. I mean, it's like, okay, we have all been enlightened. The light bulb has gone off. We men or women have been kind of ignoring some of these things or coming up against walls. But, you know, the I noticed on the Time's Up website, they have a list of like, you are a normal person. Here's what you can do. First of all, don't be part of the problem. So don't harass anyone. We can start there. That's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. If a person who's been harassed tells you about it, believe them. I think we're starting to make progress on people being believed, men and women coming forward 
with these uh, with their own stories and they're starting to be believed. And then sort of digging in in any kind of an organization, whether you are an insurance company or a car dealership or whatever, you know, look at your workforce, look at your leadership, the management, and just try to assess whether it really reflects the world we operate in now and sort of break it down to something that is within your departmental range. I know having been, you know, a boss at like a lot of big companies, there are things you can do even just in your own department to make sure that you're hiring in a fair way, that you're promoting in a fair way and all all of those kinds of things. So I'm hopeful because I feel like all of this that is right now kind of in Hollywood can also spark all kinds of people to just do what they can in their own world. And I'm sure you've seen some of that already. Yeah, I mean, I think women have to really, I tell people, you know, carry, make it clear that you will tell if somebody's harassing you. Don't, don't act, don't be nice, you know. Now, of course, if it's a higher up person, it's very difficult to do. But I think there are ways of communicating that you're not going to allow yourself to be victimized. And, and that, that may help it with, you know, the way you carry yourself. I have, I have a lot of women who say they've never been harassed. Now I, I'm always skeptical, but I think there is a way to sort of make it clear that you're going to, you know, that you are like, what should I say, the master of your domain, you're not yes, going right, to allow right. uh, nonsense. I also think that we're all empowered in the sense that if you're a witness or a bystander to a harassing situation, you can step in, you can intervene either in the moment or talk to the person afterwards and make sure that they're, you know, that he or she is being protected. I think that there's been this sort of cone of silence over these things or, you know, in the Harvey story, a lot of people said, well, we thought it was his personal life. We didn't think we should get involved in his personal life. And I'd like to think that those days are over. Well, and it obviously was not his personal life since he was using his position. But yeah, I mean, partly, you know, there are going to be some companies that can't get it together. I hope some of this stuff has has struck fear in the hearts of certain people who would like to be harassers and made them think twice. And uh, that's why I feel like, you know, it's important to keep going with these stories. You know, some people have said to me, well, I I don't even read those stories anymore because I'm kind of getting bored. And I feel like, well, you know, too bad. We're going to keep reporting them because we don't want this to just be a moment. We want it to, you know, we want it to be a change and meaningful. And if we don't make it clear that you could, like we are in an era, I've never been in an era like this before where, where we could write a story and somebody is gone that day. Right. You know, so as long as it's clear that, you know, exposure brings consequences and there are serious consequences, I think that will be good. I mean, we're now months into this, not that many months, but some months and people are still, you know, Universal just tossed key executives in the marketing department for misconduct allegations. So the more i mean i'm sorry to see people have their lives ruined because of the consequence of their own behavior but at the same time we need it to be clear this will not be tolerated yeah and safe for work i mean a lot of our goal is to just help everyone's work life be more satisfying and so the a lot of the questions we get are about you know what should i step up about how do i use my voice how do i use do i have any leverage i'm just beginning my career you know can i really step up so for for every model there 
there is in another industry of people feeling emboldened to step up, whether it's honestly, whether it's ask for a raise or report sexual harassment, I'm just for everyone using their voice. So thank you so much, Kim, for the stories you've been telling at The Hollywood Reporter for a long time. And I understand we will have plenty more that we will be seeing. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Today, less than half of us believe we're on track to meet our financial goals. America is changing, and with it, the financial challenges we face. And that's why Prudential has partnered with wellness expert Alexandra Drain. They're traveling across the country talking to real people in a project called The State of Us. From the town with the longest lifespan, to the town with the highest birth rate, to the smallest town in America, the goal is to uncover challenges getting in the way of financial wellness. Because even though our challenges may seem over overwhelming, Prudential believes there's a path forward for everyone. To learn more about the financial challenges facing America, visit prudential.com slash state of us. All right, Liz, let's answer one more call. Hello? Hey, is this Margie? Yes, it is. Margie, it's Liz and Matt from Safe for Work. How are you doing? Good, good. I'm so excited. <laughs> you. I love you. <laughs> We're excited too. We're excited too. <laughs> Thanks for reaching out to us, Margie. So, so you have an issue. We want to help you explain to us what your challenge is. Well, um, I have decided to retire after 30 years in my job. Congratulations. Thank you. And I wanted to help my preferred successor to get the respect of my staff without letting everyone know that I'm going to retire. Mm -hmm. Uh, The appointment of my successor is not within my control, but, and I have a few years until I am out the door and I'm trying to mentor him to put him in a position to be considered as my replacement. Okay. Got it. He's, he's great at his job and he works very well with the people that report directly to him, but others that are on my staff think, that he can come across as cocky and argumentative at staff meetings and other group interactions. Uh-huh. And that those people make snarky remarks in his absence and often disrespect him in, in small ways that I notice. Oh yeah. Red flag, um, red flag. And mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to be an example of bad bossery. <laughs> so you, what Margie. should I do when I th- see these things going on? <laughs> Okay. All right. You framed this up really well. So let me start by asking you, have you been coaching him on this already? Because it sounds like it's an ongoing problem. I have been coaching him on it for um, several years uh, when he was just getting started and he was first hired. And as I, as he moved up in seniority, um, I was giving him feedback. Points for good bossery, Marjorie. I like that because I, I was afraid that you've been ignoring this until now and now the clock has started and before you retire, you want to fix him. But if you've been working with him already, that's great. So my next question is, is it working? What's not working with him? Is he taking your direction well? Uh, I think that he is taking the direction well. He sometimes um, maybe doesn't realize that he ha- that he comes across the way he does. Mm-hmm. And it is a contextual thing. Sure, um, sure. 
I mean, one of the things is when he's arguing with me at a staff meeting, which I don't mind, I view it as sort of, you know, let's, let's bring these issues up and let's talk about them. I think some of the other staff members who are very loyal to me think of him as sort of challenging me and, and they don't appreciate that. So I don't get upset. So I try to set, you know, a, an example of not being upset about it or anything, but I don't think that that's just an example of some of the things that happen. So Matt, I want to ask you about this because it sounds like this guy isn't fully understanding how he comes across in a group context. Have you ever witnessed that or seen that? Or I, I've seen this all the time. And I just wanted to say, first of all, thank you for offering yourself up as a mentor to somebody because my friends and I, we always joke around about how hard it is to find a mentor. They act like, hey, they're just growing on trees when you graduate <laughs> college. And I'm almost 40 and I still have friends and we're all just like, where are our mentors? Are you my mentor? Are you my mentor? Uh, so I, I just, I'm so appreciative of hearing somebody go out on a limb yeah, for somebody. Yeah, it's impressive. And, it's, and it's, it's frustrating to hear that this person isn't taking those cues that are are fairly obvious, it sounds like. Yeah, is he getting any better? If you've been giving him this kind of coaching, has he changed his behavior? Sounds like maybe not, if people still make snarky comments about him. Um, yeah, he hasn't changed his behavior as much as I had hoped he would. Mm-hmm. He has He has developed excellent relationships with his direct reports. It, it is this sort of awkward situation where... He's has more education and he'll ultimately have more responsibility and more discretion in how he performs his job. And I think to some degree, there's a certain amount of just sort of built into the process. You're going to have the senior people who could never be in that position kind of look at him as, you know, he's a whippersnapper. What's he think he's doing and how can he talk like that? So it's so important that he work on earning their respect, even though he thinks maybe, I don't know, maybe he thinks that he's not being disrespectful, but that he he needs to learn that he often can sound that way. Yeah, it sounds like he has a little bit of an inflated uh, sense of self and position already in this role. And maybe it's partly because you have kind of guided him along and maybe sort of Mm -hmm. given him this inkling that, hey, I'm on the fast track here. And it sounds like he's he's taken that a little bit too far. But I mean, to me, it sounds like you have, again, I go back to the fact that I feel like you guys, it sounds like you have a great relationship. I'm, I'm not hearing why you can't just be a little more direct like you are with us to him. What is your fear about just straight up being like, look, I feel like you're, you're being a little disrespectful to me in front of the staff. And I know we have a great relationship, but I just want you to know that I coming from where I'm sitting, if it were anybody else. But wait, wait, let me challenge you on that, Matt, because what I'm hearing Margie say is that he's not being disrespectful to her, but that other people in the room perceive Perceive it it. that way. Right. But perception is reality in the workplace. No, I get that. But it's so it's not like you can go to him and say, you're being disrespectful to me. You need to make him understand. And, Okay, I'm going to say the hard words, Margie. I feel like you've been trying, and I give you credit for that. I feel like he's not hearing, and he has established an identity in the office. It is very hard to change how people perceive you once you've really locked that in. It's super hard. It could be that you can't fix him 
Uh, like for as much as you're trying, like he, if he's not taking your guidance, if people are saying snarky things about him in front of you, mm-mm, giant red flag. The solution for everyone in a workplace, if you want to be respected, is treating everyone with respect, whether it's your boss, your colleagues, or the people that work for you. And so if you don't work well sideways in an organization and the people at your level think you're a jerk, that that is your problem. And you have to really address that. Good luck. Thank you so much, guys. <laughs> Let us know it. how it goes. We want to know if there's progress. OK, thanks for calling. OK, bye. In case you missed anything from this episode, just tap the cover art to check out the notes for today's show. You'll also find our email address, safe at wondery.com. And if you want to support the show, you'll find some great offers from our sponsors. Another way you can support the show is by filling out a small survey at wondery.com survey. It'll help us make the show better for listeners like you. This episode was hosted by me, Liz Dolan, boss emeritus and satellite sister, and Matt Ritter, comedian, recovering lawyer, and executive recruiter. Our original theme song is composed by Martin Blanco. Audio engineering by Misha Stanton, produced by Cameron Cow. Executive produced by Eileen King and Marshall Louie. Created and executive produced by Hernan Lopez for Wondry. Remember, workplaces can feel crazy, but you don't have to. What if the experience of driving a luxury vehicle wasn't limited to just inside your car, but extended out into the world around you? Introducing the well-connected 2019 Lincoln MKC with a suite of social tech capability that connects the world inside to the world outside. With Amazon Alexa, enabled with Sync3 AppLink, you have access to all the skills and services you get on your Echo. Alexa's activated by the sound of your voice. Hey Alexa, what's the weather like tomorrow? Currently, it's 46 And responds using your car's speakers. With Waze integration that appears right on the nav screen, you'll transform traffic jam streets into clear roads. Got a load of friends? Keep them connected with a 4G LTE Wi-Fi hotspot that allows up to 10 devices to connect at once with Lincoln Connect. With the 2019 Lincoln MKC, life gets a little easier from the moment you leave home to the moment you return. Hey Alexa, open my garage door. Okay. Available via iPhone with Sync 3 with software version 3.0. Commands may vary by phone and AppLink software. Don't drive while distracted. Use voice-operated systems when possible. Don't use handheld devices while driving. iPhone is a trademark of Apple Inc., registered in the U.S. and other countries. The 2019 Lincoln MKC. Learn more at lincoln.com slash wondery. That's lincoln.com slash W-O-N-D-E-R-Y. <laughs>